Hello guys and girls and welcome back to another episode of Seb Talk Sports. Sponsored by Memsham UK. The place to go to for brand new, authentic, signed NFL memorabilia. That intro music and podcast theme was created by all pro New York Giants running back, now music creator and friend of the show, David Wilson. Go and check him out on all of his social media platforms at 4stillrunning on Twitter and Instagram and his music under David E. Wilson across all good music streaming services. He's free for business so drop him a message if you want some beats for your podcast, advert, commercial, absolutely anything you need. Before I get into this episode, I just want to say that if you're not already following Seb Talk Sports across all platforms, then please do. You can find me on Facebook, Seb Talk Sports, YouTube, Seb Talk Sports, Twitter, at Seb Talk Sports, and Instagram, where I'm primarily active. Again, it's at Seb Talk Sports. Today, I've got another brilliant guest, a nine-year wide receiver who had an incredibly prestigious NFL career. Over 100 games, nearly 4,000 yards, and 20 touchdowns. Receiving passes from Hall of Famer Joe Montana on his way to the doorstep of the Super Bowl when starting in the AFC Championship game against the Bills for the 1993 season. It's the fantastic JJ Berlin. Enjoy! My guest today is a nine-year NFL wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs and Atlanta Falcons who played over 100 games, accumulated nearly 4,000 yards and 20 touchdowns in a prestigious career that took him to the doorstep of the Super Bowl when starting against the Buffalo Bills in the AFC Championship game. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome JJ Burden to Seb Talk Sports. JJ, how are you? I'm doing good, Seb. How are you doing today? Very, very good. Thank you for joining me today. I'm looking forward to getting into it. Thanks for the invite. So I want to start with your college career. During your four years at Oregon, you played over 40 games and compiled over 700 yards, catching passes from Super Bowl champion Bill Musgrave in your senior season before you were taken in the NFL draft, which I'll get to. So how much did you enjoy your time on the Ducks and how did it specifically prepare you to take that step up to the pro level? Well, for me, what's interesting, I went to Oregon on a track scholarship. I wasn't even there playing Mm. football. I got a track scholarship. I wasn't recruited in football um, at Oregon because... Even though I was the top wide receiver in high school in the state of Oregon, I was 5'9", 133 pounds. So no division one school felt I could play D1. And so I, um, I went the back door route. I got a track scholarship. And then the second year, I literally begged the head coach, Rich Brooks, to let me walk on and try out. And he let me try out and I made the team. And, and what's interesting, Seb, is that I did not really have a great college statistical career. I only had one touchdown, and I think I had 19 catches my senior year. But um, to my surprise, I was drafted late in the NFL draft. So all of it was a shock. I was just trying to see if I could make the Olympic teams because I had qualified in the long jump and the Olympic trials. And and then all of a sudden, here comes the NFL. <laughs> you know, So it all caught me by surprise. Nice. And of course, you just touched on your draft moment there, which I want to talk about, of course, because your college career at Oregon meant you were a 1988 NFL draft pick, taken in the eighth round, 216th overall by the Cleveland Browns, a team that was coming off the back of a fantastic 10-5 and season, only playing 15 games that year because of the player strike, and just a touchdown away from playing in Super Bowl 22. So how did it feel to receive that call from Ernie Acorsi and become the latest addition to an incredibly successful Browns roster? What did it mean to you and your family? Well, that, it caught me by surprise because I, I wasn't really convinced I was going to get drafted. And the first day of the draft, I just went to class. I just totally ignored the draft. I said, <laughs> I'm not getting drafted. And then the second day, I wanted to go to class. And my agent said, you need to stay in your apartment because I think you're going to get a call. And I was like, okay, whatever. So then I pick up the phone and I hear this, 
hey, is this J.J. Burton? I go, yes. Well, this is head coach Marty Schottenheimer of the Cleveland Browns. We just drafted you. And I go, who is this? Because you know? <laughs> I didn't believe it was really them. And I go, Marty Schottenheimer? And I go, really? And so he tells me, you know, hey, kid, we just drafted you in the NFL draft. And I was shocked. I was like, no way. And then I was high-fiving my buddy Rod Green, and we were just getting all psyched. And Because then – Three, four hours later, he gets a call from the Redskins and he goes in as a free agent. So it was a pretty special day for both of us. That's awesome. That's such a cool story. So I want to talk about your size quickly because at just 5'10 and 160, coming out of college, you found yourself being one of the smallest receivers in the NFL. But we know that didn't let it stop you because of the successful career you've had. And what's your highlights? There are very clear similarities to Tyreek Hill. I know you've tweeted about Tyreek in the past, particularly running Wasp, which was, of course, his famous play in the Super Bowl, third and 15, fourth quarter of the last Super Bowl. And while you're incredibly quick, you ran a 4'4", 40-yard dash, which explains your track background there. I'd love to know, did you have any memories of your size being an issue for you particularly? Or did you relish the opportunity of proving yourself as a smaller player? Yeah, that's a great question because when I went into the draft, I was literally 5'10, 157. And right away, a lot of the scouts were looking at my size and they just thought, you know, can this guy really play at the, at the high level? And as you mentioned, I, you know, I had good speed. I actually ran a 4'3'3. So I had the speed. I was a long jumper. I could catch the ball. But yeah, there was this chip on my shoulder because I felt like I was an underdog. Because you do a little research, the average size of an NFL player is 6'2", 245. Wow. So I kind of went in as an underdog, but I thought, hey, there's nothing more exciting in life is when you prove somebody wrong. And I knew there were a lot of people that did not think I would make it. So there was that drive to, to prove them wrong. And, and what's interesting, Seb, is that, you know, I, I kind of I got cut and I went through some challenges in the beginning. And then when I made the Chiefs, I was a reserve, and I remember when they came up to me one day and said, how would you like to be a starter in the NFL? And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm just trying to make the team. Now you want to make me a starter? And I started the last five years of my career. But, but yeah, I would definitely say there's something a little special when you're the underdog because everyone doubts you. They're against you. They don't think you can make it. And when you're proving people wrong, man, it's, it's a pretty exciting moment. Okay, so I want to fast forward to the 23rd of January, 1994. Of course, the Kansas City Chiefs travel to Rich Stadium and take on the 14-4 Buffalo Bills for a chance to represent the conference in Super Bowl 28. It's the AFC Championship game, a game which you, of course, started in, having four receptions for 60 yards on the day. So can you describe that feeling you had when you took to the field in Buffalo for a chance to play on the biggest stage of them all? What did it mean to you and your teammates? That was an exciting moment for us because during my nine years, that was the closest I got to a Super Bowl. So to think about what it would be like to make the reach the ultimate level. Because as NFL players, that's the main goal every year. Yeah. The main goal every year is to get to the Super Bowl. And to be one game away going into Buffalo, we were very confident because we had just had two incredible comebacks, Pittsburgh and then Houston. So we felt we were going to win. But when Joe Montana got rocked, got the concussion, that's when I think um, we kind of lost our steam because when you when you have your general, the one who's led you all the way and, and he's out of the game, it kind of takes a little out of you. But it was a great experience. And I can at least say that I, I was one game away from making it to the Super Bowl. 
That's it. And of course, in that game, but just throughout your career as well, you played with some fantastic players, some incredible talent. So I'm just going to list off some names here. So maybe bring back a few memories. Kevin Ross, Albert Lewis, Christian Okoye, who I recently interviewed. Neil Smith, John Alt, Dale Carter, Jesse Tuggle, and then Hall of Famers, Morton Anderson, Derek Thomas, Chris Dolman, Marcus Allen, and Joe Montana. I think a few people have heard of that last name. So of course, some of the greatest players to ever grace a field. So off those guys, and of course, any others you would like to mention, which stuck out to you the most, ability-wise, as the best player you've ever played with? And as a wide receiver, which DB was hardest to play against? Well, I would say right away, Joe Montana sticks out because here's one of the greatest to ever play the game. But what impressed me about Joe was that when he signed with the Chiefs, he was going into his 15th year. He had already won four Super Bowls. So he had all these accolades. So I was like, well, is Joe going to come in and kind of rest on his laurels and just kind of ride out his career? But no, Joe came in. He was the consummate professional. I always say he studied like a rookie, he prepared like a veteran, and he led like a pro. His leadership was amazing, and it was very contagious. And so success leaves clues, and I learned a lot just those two years playing with him and watching him. And I would definitely say the hardest DB I ever went against was Deion Sanders. I mean, mm. Deion Sanders is clearly one of the best of all time. And not only was he gifted athletically, but even from an intellectual standpoint, but I can just remember the times playing him, how more than once I had, I had him beat. I'm open. And then when the ball was in the air, he always had the ability to recover. He had this, he could bait the quarterbacks and he would give you like a couple yard lead. And when the ball was in the air, he would recover. And he was just, he was, he was definitely a class by himself. Mm, yeah and he definitely let you know about it as well of course he was actually a pretty cool guy like he talked trash on the field but when the game was over he was just like one of the guys you mm. know that's awesome prime time yeah. Okay, I want to quickly hone in on Joe Montana, who we just talked about. Your quarterback for the final two years on the Chiefs, of course, Hall of Famer, four-time Super Bowl champ, two-times league MVP, six-time All-Pro, and eight-time Pro Bowler, and arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. And while I know Joe was more known for his time on the 49ers, of course, like you just said, can you tell us what he was like behind the scenes, his leadership? I know you just touched on that, and how he was as a teammate to you, and what was the media circus surrounding him? Yeah, I think what was amazing about Joe, and because people look at his career, and obviously he had all his accomplishments, the big ones, and 49ers, but Joe wasn't washed up when he came to KC. I mean, we he took us right to the AFC Championship game, and people seem to forget that. Even the second year, we still made the playoffs, so I think those were two successful years, and a lot of it had to do with his leadership. Just, you know, when you're in the huddle with a guy who you look in his eyes, and it's maybe you're down by six points, it's a minute and a half on the clock, and you got to drive down the field to win, and you look in his eyes and you're like, that guy's been there, done that. Yeah. Just do your job. You had so much of a higher level of confidence because you knew that he was going to lead you. You just had to do your job. And so I know that was a, a positive aspect for us as chief players to really play at his level. But, uh, you know, the little things he did, I watched him prepare. I watched him study all the time. The last guy there studying film, breaking down, breaking down film and always working on his game. I mean, a guy who's probably thrown a gazillion balls, but he was always working on his form and his technique and making sure that he continued to master his skills. And so a lot of the things or some of the things I talk about as a motivational speaker, I share some of the success tips I learned from Joe because he was the consummate professional. 
yeah, one of the best, absolutely one of the best, both on and off the field. And of course, leadership doesn't only come from players like Joe Montana there, but you've had some unbelievable coaches too, where leadership, of course, comes from. So Rich Brooks throughout your career at Oregon, who you mentioned, Joe Pendry, Al Sanders, Paul Hackett, June Jones, and of course, Marty Schottenheimer, who not only brought you to Cleveland in 88, but served as your head coach throughout your time in Kansas City. And is the coach you stated recently on your YouTube channel was the best you ever had. But of those coaches and any others that proved pivotal to you, do you remember the most important piece of advice you ever received from any of them throughout your career? Oh, that's a good question, because I've had a lot of coaches over the years. Um, I am probably going to focus on my wide receiver coach, Al Saunders. Mm. Uh, I think Marty Schottenheimer made a huge impact on me. Like you said, he drafted me in Cleveland, and he gave him my shot in Kansas City, believed in me when no one else did. But Al Saunders played a key role in really developing my skills and confidence to, to play at the NFL level. When I got to Kansas City, I was a pretty good wide receiver, but he really broke down my technique and my skills and kind of rebuilt it in a way that it really lifted my game. And I think, you know, being able to play at that level as long as I did and being able to be a starter, I'll play a key role in that. And I think it's one, of the, it's one of the pluses I had during my career to have a mentor like that that could help me raise the performance of my game. Mm, fantastic and of course since retiring you've started doing motivational keynote speaking which is incredible and after watching some of your speeches it's clearly not only the ability you have while doing it but also the passion you deliver your speeches with so i'd love to know what was the interest into getting into public speaking and what goals do you have specifically for it in the future because i would love to see a jj burden ted talk <laughs> yeah i would too <laughs> well i think you know when i was in the uh, my early part of the nfl career my early early days in the nfl I learned during the off season that players could do appearances, meaning that you could go to a school, some community organization, score a store and, and sign autographs and give these little speeches and presentations about yourself. I hated speaking in front of people. I hated wow. public speaking, but I thought here's a skill I could learn now that I probably could use the rest of my life. And so I started doing some speaking in the off season and then um, as I retired, I kind of dabbled in a couple different things like coaching. I did some coaching, but I really didn't like the way when I coached in high school that you were very limited. You could only help the kids at that school. They didn't want you helping other kids at other schools. And, and I thought, I have so much to share. And so about six years ago, I met a, a gentleman named Dr. Will Moreland, who's a speaker, author. And I went to his training event and I hired him to be my mentor. And he basically walked me through the process of how do you launch your speaking platform? How do you write a book? And that was really the beginning of my journey because making it to the NFL is very unique. There's very few of us who make it. The average career is less than two years. Mm -hmm. To play two, not nine years at 5'10", 157 pounds, there's not too many NFL players that played as long as me that were as small as me. But I learned so many lessons along the way and while I was there. And I love to take those lessons and turn them into action steps and success tips to help people today solve the problems they may be dealing with. And that, that's what I love about it because I got so many stories, so many lessons, and so many teaching points to share. That's awesome. Okay, JJ, I want to end with some quick fire questions. You ready? Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Favorite takeout food slash cheat meal? Ooh, good question. Favorite uh, cheat? Oh. Uh, truffle fries. Love truffle fries. I can't not stop eating them. <laughs> nice. Dogs or cats? I have a cat named Tang. <laughs> that answers that. Favorite music artist? Babyface. I love Babyface's music. 
Nice. Favorite sports movie? Good question. I'm going to surprise you with this one. Probably not. Invincible. I mm -hmm. love Invincible. Because that movie, I can, it's, I, I can feel it. It's just such a great movie, you know? I love it. Nice. Funniest teammate you ever had? Probably Craig Hayward mm. for the Atlanta Falcons. Ironhead. He was a prankster. Always cracking jokes, always laughing, always had us cracking up. Great guy. That actually leads me nicely into my next question, because what was the best locker room prank you ever saw that you can say on my show? One time we had a meeting, really important meeting, serious meeting after a loss. Marty Schottenheim was really angry. And we're in the meeting, and all of a sudden you smell something, and it smells so bad. And everybody's like, oh, Marty's like, get out of here. Well, Joe Montana had lit a stink bomb in the corner. It was so bad. We had to clear out the room, and Marty was not happy about it. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. Okay. Given the fact that you've dislocated his finger during a game and continued playing on a scale of one to 10, how tough is your former quarterback, Steve DeBerg? Oh, man. Steve's a warrior. He, he's a warrior. I'll never forget standing in the huddle, looking at his finger. He's got a cast on it. The pinky's out and there's a pin mm. in the pinky like this. And I'm just sitting there staring at like, how in the world is he doing this? But he was throwing us touchdowns with that one little pinky finger. <laughs> incredible okay how often do people mention to you how much of a beast you were on tech mobile <laughs> you did your homework all the time <laughs> all the time they made me so super fast on that first version those first two versions of tech mobile and it's it's so weird it's like i never thought like 30 plus years later i would have people tweeting out hey i'm bringing you on tech mobile I recently asked both Christian Okoya and Carl Mecklenburg the same question because those guys were just impossible to play against. Someone told me that their game plan is either give the ball to Christian or throw the ball to me. <laughs> Seems to work. Seems to work. Yeah. Okay, just on Christian there, can you describe the first time you saw your teammate Christian Okoya in person? What were your first impressions of him on the field? I was like, oh my goodness. I got a block for him. <laughs> I mean, he, he was just massive. He was a beast and... I quickly learned something in that very first game that you got to keep your head on a swivel when Christian gets the ball because I was sitting there blocking and not paying attention, and all of a sudden he just ran right over me and he ran over the defensive back. <laughs> and and Stefan said to JJ, you got to keep your eye on Christian because he will run you over too. So after that moment, I was always like looking to see where Christian was. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, who's your favorite NFL player of all time? Mm, probably would be, ooh, that's a good question, all time. I might go with Lynn Swan. Mm. Lynn Swan was the reason why I wore number 88. I was enamored with him and his jumping ability and all his fancy catches. And so that was why I wore 88 and he was my favorite receiver. Nice. Love it. Okay, and finally, who's your pick to win Super Bowl 55 in Tampa? Kansas City Chiefs, baby. <laughs> Repeat. <laughs> yeah, I think that's on the cards, to be honest. I think that's on the cards. <laughs> JJ, thank you so much for your time today. Where can people find you across social media? Check out your keynote speeches, your book, anything like that. Yeah, go to my website, jjburden.com. That's my hub. And I'm all over social media. I'm very active. Just look for the username, JJ Burden. And say my message and say hello. Fantastic. I'll make sure to leave all the links below so people can find you and keep up to date. All right. Thanks, Seth. Thank you for having me on the show because you're in the United Kingdom, right? Yeah, that's right. Very good. This is pretty awesome. So I, 
it's nice to connect with you and keep up the good work. I love the guys that you're interviewing and I look forward to seeing some of the more interviews coming up. Thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. All right, Zach. Take care, buddy. And there he goes. The man himself, JJ Burden, a small wide receiver who made a big impact beating all the odds to make it to the NFL for nearly a decade, now doing excellent work with all of his motivational keynote speeches and much more. Make sure to check out JJ on all of the links in the description of this episode. I've got many more great guests coming very soon, so stay tuned right here on Seb Talk Sports. And to take us out as usual, here's another brilliant track by all-pro New York Giants running back turned music creator and friend of the show, David Wilson. Catch you soon, guys.